this, this is a day, honestly, the whole world goes crazy. You know, people wear their, their team colors, uh, paint their faces, guys take off their shirts and become Scrabble pieces, uh, you know, hold up signs, we wave towels, we cheer, we shout, we dance, or something that resembles a dance anyway. Super Bowl 45, as I like to call Stairway to Seven, but um, yeah, a hundred million people, more than a hundred million people are going to watch the Super Bowl, and people get excited about it, and so I'm just curious, get ready to make some noise in the house, all right? How many of you are rooting for the Green Bay Packers? Come on, come on, stand up. Come on, make some noise. All right, I've got your names and numbers now. All right, how many of you are rooting for six-time Super Bowl champs, the only team in the NFL, Pittsburgh Steelers? Make some noise. Woo! Yeah. How many of you have moved on to baseball? <laughs> yeah, I see some cowboy jerseys over here. Were they giving those away at the mall, by the way? Yeah. If we win on your home turf, watch out, watch out. Uh, Maryland's got her Laker. I love the Lakers, so uh, yeah, yeah. She, she honestly is the most dedicated basketball fan I've ever met in my life, and she loves the Lakers, so, you know, it's interesting, we get passionate about our teams, don't we? We wear the colors, we wear them with pride, we like to talk about our teams, uh, even get a little animated sometimes in discussions, and, and it's really okay, but here's what I found myself thinking about this weekend. As I was putting the message together, I wondered if we're more passionate about our teams than our God. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, Elevate's about seeking the heart of God, about putting together a plan, setting some God-honoring goals for, for our life, uh, This is more than a New Year's resolution. This is really about life goals. It's ending up somewhere on purpose, and it's putting a plan together in 2011, a plan for our lives. Proverbs says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Vision in the Hebrew, hazon, means to dream, to have a revelation to have a vision. Where there is no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people get really excited about stuff, all kinds of things, and they perish. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. You know, Jesus articulated the, this whole concept, asked a question, I believe it's a vision-clarifying question, about what your 
Hazon is going to be. Jesus asks this in Matthew 16. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And then Jesus asks in Revelation, he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, spew you out of my mouth in some versions. Where there's no vision for a relationship with God, things go cold. It's easy to drift. Little by little, what you will find, if there's no vision for your relationship with God, you will become lukewarm. And really, when it comes to your relationship with God, you end up in one of about three categories in your life. I mean, first, there's the category of hot. I would define hot as a... Uh, relationship with God that, that's growing, that's thriving, that when you look at your life, you're, you're able to see movement in, in your walk with God, in your relationship with God. You know, Paul writes, he says, we, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightfully so. Why is he thanking them and celebrating? Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Let me ask you, are, are, are you for the things of God? Are you, are you growing spiritually? Are you pursuing God? Is your faith growing more and more? Is your love for the people around you growing more and more? Because hot doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen by default. It is really a conscious decision that's followed by action in in your life. I believe there's something that happens in your faith as you mature in your faith. And Paul's pressing it here. He says, you know what? Your heart is going to beat hard for God. And also your heart's going to beat hard for people. And both areas are going to increase in your life. You know, being, being spiritual, uh, being spiritually mature is not about just having biblical knowledge. In fact, if you just have biblical knowledge, you can become pretty puffed up. It's about understanding God's word and applying it to your life. You know, it's, uh, you want to know if that's what's happening. Well, you can tell because you will start growing in your heart. You'll grow closer to God. And your heart will beat hard for people, all people. You know, are you hot? Are you growing? The second category is cold. And I describe cold as people that have yet to have a relationship with God. They don't know God yet or they haven't accepted him as their savior. It's interesting that Jesus, Jesus says that's not a bad position to be in. Because you are in a position to know God in a personal way. In fact, I know that some of you are here today, you're searching. You're trying to figure out where God fits in in your life. And when I read through scripture, Jesus says, you know what? 
if you're not hot, if you're not on fire for God, the next best place to be is cold. Because you're not pretending. You're not drifting. You're not kind of numbed to things. In fact, you're one decision away from moving from cold to hot. And then there's the category of lukewarm. Jesus says this, this is the bottom. This is the bottom of the heap. It's, it's the worst position to be in. And I would define lukewarm as drifting. Coasting. Paul writes, he says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Several years ago, I was down in uh, the Florida Keys. We go down to Key Largo every year and um, got to know this family down there. And the guy asked me, he said, hey, you want to go fishing? I got a boat. You want to go fishing? I'm like, I'm there. So the next morning, we loaded up the boat and we headed out. And um, we were about 30 miles out right off the coast there. And uh, we were near what's called the Gulf Stream, which is a uh, pretty good current and wind at that point and we're fishing and things are going great we're hitting we're bringing in a lot of fish having a great time and at the end of the day we're packing up our gear and we're getting ready to head back into land and Carl and his son are talking and I hear them having this conversation it's like uh, I don't recognize anything I don't recognize the marker I've never seen that marker before where do you think we are I'm thinking uh oh bad movie here uh but they're, they're trying to figure it out, and finally, one of them's like, well, I, I think we're just a few few miles west of, of Key Largo. And so I lived down in the Keys as a kid, and I'm kind of calculating in my head, and I'm like, guys, I, I think we're a long way west of Key Largo, maybe 25, maybe 30 miles. I mean, we've been out here all day. That current's moving. Uh, and sure enough, we headed into land. We were 35 miles off of where they thought we were. We drifted most of the day, little by little by little, just kept drifting. And here's the deal. If the truth were known today, some of you would say, you know what? I've drifted. I've drifted from God. I've drifted from God. I I used to be close to God. There, There was a time... When I was growing spiritually, I was pursuing God. I was hot, but I've drifted. And now, well, I'm kind of lukewarm. Where there's no vision, friends, people perish. People perish. Great relationships never happen by accident. That's what we talked about last week. What's the same in your relationship with God? Everybody ends up somewhere with God, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And what I want to do is change that. I want us all to end up somewhere on purpose. I want us to elevate our relationship with God, but we need a game plan. And I think uh, one of the best commentators, I, I love John Madden. And I really hated to see him retire. How many of you like John Madden? I mean, his ability to explain and dissect a game was 
really amazing. And when he got the marker out, whoo, watch out. I mean, whether he was explaining a cover one defense or a blitz or he was breaking down a specific play like a bootleg or a reverse flea flicker or three-four assault, man, he'd just go to town. And it was something to watch. I mean, it was quite the art form. And I thought, okay, maybe I could explain a biblical concept called a draw play and kind of a Madden approach. So here we go. Well, 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 you got, you got, got, got this, this field, okay? And, 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 boom, you got, you got God there, alright? You got, got all these people all over the field, you got, boom, 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 you know, there they are. They're just rumbling and tumbling and moving around and everything, and you, 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 you gotta, gotta love this, you know. You got this person, and they're in motion. And as they move closer to God, whoop, there's God. You got this draw, and you move toward God, and God moves toward you. The motion, it's a difference. It's a difference. It's biblical. Not the John Madden part, but... (laughs) James says it this way. Draw near to God, and what? It's a draw play. How's your draw play? Because, friends, if you are not drawing close to God, you're drifting. There are things you can do to improve your draw in life. Jeremiah says, God, God speaking here says, when you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Here's what I know. God wants to find you. And when you seek God, however that may be, whatever way, as you step toward God, forward motion here, God will meet you. God will meet you where you're at. It's a promise. It's a promise. I remember uh, when I was in junior high, uh, some of you may have done this before, but if I had a crush on a girl, I would ask my best friend to go talk to her best friend. Right? How many of you ever did this? And I'd, I would give instructions. I'd say, go to her and go hypothetically. Not that this is what's going to happen. But if Damon was to ask her to go with him, which I don't even know what that means as I think about it, but what would she say? And so my friend would head to her best friend, who would then go to her and find out the answer. She'd return, tell my best friend, the, the answer who'd come to me and tell me, and if the answer was yes, then I'd ask her to go with me. That's how you keep your percentage up. <laughs> well, friends, you don't have to worry. God wants to go with you. 
God sent his Holy Spirit. God sent his son to die on the cross for you. God wants to know you personally. God is seeking you. And the fact that you're even here today is evidence that God's working in your heart. Because as you step toward God, what I can guarantee you is you will find him. Now, I was watching uh, ESPN this week, and uh, they were doing a feature on Troy Palomalo, Pittsburgh Steeler, by the way. But I, I love Troy. You know, defensive player of the year and the best hair in the NFL. So, and, and a lot of people think the key to his success is head and shoulders, which maybe. But it was a great um, piece on him because... He talked about, and they were showing kind of his regimented discipline, daily workout routine. I mean, it's serious. He does kind of a uh, freestyle running. Uh, it's the urban uh, acrobatic approach where he'll run through the city, and he just uses the landscape, you know, whether it's benches or walls or rails. And he uses that to kind of enhance his, his balance and agility and his stamina. And when he hits the weight room, not traditional weight workout. In fact, it's a bit unorthodox. But he uses medicine ball and uh, wobble board and things. And what he focuses on is kind of bursts of speed and, and strength. He said two hours a day he practices tipping and just handling a ball. He studies the teams. He studies player tendencies and game footage And they talked at length about just how disciplined he was. He prepares for the game, and he said he does all the preparing he can so that when he hits the field, he can just trust his intuition at that point. And I think part of why I love him is his his faith. He's he's Christian. He's Greek Orthodox. And it's his spirituality's core to everything he does. In fact, if you watch today... You will see after every play, he, he prays. If On the sidelines, when he's not on the field, he's in meditation. And he said it's important to him that he honors God with everything that he does. I would argue that his discipline has led to incredible results in his life. In fact, isn't that true in everything? That certain disciplines lead to certain results in your life? Pick any area you want. It's the discipline. Well, it's true in your relationship with God. You need disciplines. Let let me ask you, how do you you best connect with God? You know, I, I don't care if you've walked with God 50 years. What are the things that you do that connect you with God, there, there is, I believe when we connect with God, there is so much God wants to reveal to us. Things that God wants us to understand about ourselves, about Him. In other words, you have not arrived, friends. You have not arrived. There are things you need to be doing to strengthen your relationship with God. And there's some things that we all need to be doing in common. It's kind of like uh, if you're making a cake, there's basic ingredients, right? Flour, water, and then there's an endless list of things that make it unique. 
I think it's the same in our faith. If you're going to grow in your relationship with God, there's some things in common that we all should be doing. And then we can arrange it a little different. We can execute it. There may be some variation. There may be things you do that I don't do and vice versa. But, friends, God will work through the discipline. Here's some common ones. Bible study. Devotions. Every day. Prayer. Worship, like we're doing this morning. Serving. Many of you serving. It's part of the discipline. Accountability, fasting, evangelism, sharing your faith. Those are ways we connect with God. How are you connecting with God? And I know some of you, as I ask that, in your mind you're going, well, Damon, I, I, I come to church. That's about it, but I come to church. And, and here's what I want you to know. I'm glad you're here. That, it's important. But be very, very careful because it's not enough to keep you hot. If that's all you're doing, it's not enough. You need the disciplines in your life. What, what's your weekly routine? What's your daily routine in life? If you want to elevate, ask yourself, how do I connect with God and then start doing it? And I didn't say, what's the easiest thing to do? How do you connect with God? You can get creative, develop creative ways to, to connect with God. I know, I know a guy that's on the road all the time. And so he got the Bible on CD. And he said that the first two hours that he's in the car, he listens to one chapter over and over and over again. Just listens to that chapter. He said the last hour when he's heading home, He tries to see how much he can remember from that chapter. And he kind of reflects on it, thinks about it, how it fits in his life. I know another guy that's got a uh, Bible app. And he said what he does, because he does a lot of meetings, he's waiting waiting for doctors and and stuff uh, to go in and and talk to them. And so he said when he's sitting waiting, whether it's uh, waiting for them or waiting for his kids to pick him up at school or... Uh, waiting for his lunch to get to the table, that he just reads a few verses and then thinks about, what's this mean in my life? And what's God trying to say to me? I've shared before, one of the things I do in my life is uh, most of the time when I get in the hot tub in the morning, I, I kind of randomly connect with God, reflect with God as I'm kind of relaxing and taking in the moment. Um, kind of let my mind go and say, okay, God, where do you want to take me today? It's a little bit like a Bing commercial, honestly, uh, kind of free association. I'll see something that makes me think of something else that leads to something else, and then boom, all of a sudden, I'm connecting with God, just talking to God. Sometimes the direction's real clear, and sometimes I end up in really surprising places. Sometimes God presses me, sometimes He encourages me, sometimes... I just enjoy the simplicity of God's creation. But friends, I'm connecting. Some of you are drifting. You're just drifting. And the best advice I can give you is the advice that that Jesus gave. Jesus said, you've forsaken 
the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the things that kept you hot and not cold. You know, what disciplines were you doing in your life when you felt close to God? You know, think back, you know, and say, okay, I'm going to start practicing those again. Here's another question. You know, what, what barriers, what barriers are hindering you from connecting with God in your life? We, we talked about relationships last week. And, um, you know, in marriage, uh, there are things that create barriers, right? Separation. Build walls. Uh, for instance, if I was to lie all the time, if I was to be deceitful, it would seriously affect our marriage. It probably would yours too. Well, the same thing's true in your relationship with God. David writes, he says, those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who do not put their trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. David says, there's two major things that will hinder your relationship with God. One's unclean hands, unpure heart, and the other has to do with idols. You know, when I was a kid, my dad, he would announce before dinner time, he'd say, Damon, go wash up for dinner. And so, as a kid, I would go to the bathroom and fake it. I'd turn on the water. I'd dance around, or something that resembled a dance, you know. I'd turn the water off. I'd mess up the towel. And I would head to dinner. I'm not sure why I did it, but I did it. It was kind of dumb as I think about it. But it was a lot of work to fake it. All right, you guys are giving me a terrible... How many of you did did that? Go brush your teeth. You'd get the toothbrush wet in case they were going to do the thumb check, you know. I... When it comes to God, some of you are faking it. Oh, got the image. Got the image. Got the image that that we honor God. But inwardly, our hearts, our hands are very unclean. People think we're pursuing God. But if the truth were known, we're just playing a game, kind of going through the motions. Living with unconfessed sin. Faking it. And friends, let me tell you, sin will hamper your relationship with God. You know, the Greek word for sin is harmatia. You know, it means to miss the mark. Everybody ends up somewhere. Many, many people, most people miss the mark. But few hit the mark and end up somewhere on purpose in their lives. You know, Paul says, he says, come back to your senses as you should and stop sinning. For some of you, I say this to your shame, don't fully know God. For some of you, don't fully know God. 
Sin breaks the fellowship with God. It's a barrier. It's a problem. You know, my, my prayer this week has been that the Holy Spirit would break us. That we'd come to our senses. That we would stop sinning. That we would get a handle. That we would confess it. That we would get things right with God. I wonder what sin's creating a problem in your relationship with God. Hindering it. And I'm going to be blunt here. I find this modern Christian mentality. In fact, you actually should just say it's a modern secular mentality that Christians have grabbed onto. And it's a bit sick. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God. But I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I love God. But, but I'm going to cheat on my taxes because I, I just don't like what the government's doing. I love God, but I like to party. What's the big deal? You know, I love God, but, you know, I'm not really into marriage. I just kind of like to play around a little bit. I love God, but, but the company I work for, they're horrible. They're awful. So, so I take a few things, and even the score, I love God. So I go to strip clubs, I hit a few websites. You think it's wrong? I think it's okay. Friends, if you love Jesus, if you love God, Jesus kind of says, here's the deal. If you love me, you will obey what I command. He doesn't say, obey some of the things. He says, you'll obey what I command. You know, I was reading an article. It was uh, the most common sins that we have. Uh, kind of the base of it is the seven deadly sins. But uh, see if any of these are familiar to you. Materialism. It's problematic. I love Jesus almost as much as going to the mall. Laziness, I'd ask you to raise your hand, but that's probably too much work at some point. (laughs) Self-centeredness, in fact, if you're self-centered, you probably don't even know it. And I'd have people point at you, but you wouldn't come back, and that wouldn't be good. And it's not all about you. Pride, there's another one. Again, I would say, oh, raise your hand if uh, you battle with pride, but you won't. Why? Because you're too proud. Gluttony, anger, sexual lust, envy, lying. I dare you. In fact, I double-dog dare you to just assess your life. Be painfully honest with yourself and with God. What is it? that's hindering your relationship with God. That thing that just was in your mind, that's it. That's it. That's the challenge. You know, take it on. Confess it. Voice it. Ask for forgiveness. And then stop sinning. Go the other way. Spiritual hygiene here. Wash your hands. Wash your heart. And be intentional about it. Get a prayerful plan. 
pursue God and overcome the thing that's separating you from God. And I know, as I say that, for some of you, you're battling. It is a war, and you're trying. And you're just like, you know, it is... I just can't overcome. It's got its claws in me. I'm losing the battle. And I want to remind you, Paul says there is no temptation that has overtaken you except what is common to all of us. God is faithful. Here it is. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's a promise from God. There is no sin too big, that God can't conquer it in you. He will give you a way out. He will show you the way. He will give you strength to get through it. There's another thing that hinders our relationship with God, and that's idolatry. And I know some of you are going, I haven't committed idolatry. I I don't worship false gods. I don't have a totem pole that I pray to or anything like that. Well, Scripture says, one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other God before me. An idol is anything that you put ahead of God. What kind of things do we put ahead of God? Well, consider this for a moment. Do you spend more time watching television in one evening than you spend with God in a month? Do you put money before God? You're not sure? Well, look at your future. Do you trust God more or your bank account more? You know, when when you look at where your security is, is it in God or is it in your money? Does God get the first fruits, the, the tithe, or does the me, my mentality kick in? Do you put your schedule before God? I hear this a lot these days. Oh, I got to do this, got to do that, just don't have time for God, just can't be there, can't worship, don't have time. Friends, you make time for what's important to you. Do not fool yourself. It is a choice that you make. Do you put your hobby ahead of God? Put your pride, your possessions? Do you put sports? It, it could even be a good thing. You know, maybe it's a relationship or, or your children. Most of the time, it is very obvious that God's not first. Sometimes, it's a little more camouflaged, I think. You might come at it this way. How do you know if God's first in your life in an area? You stop worrying in that area. There is a worry kind of warning light that goes on when God's not first. When when God's not first in whatever that area of your life is, you begin to worry about it. When God's not first in a relationship, you're going to worry. When he's not first in your schedule, you're going to feel overloaded, and you're going to worry. He's not first in your finances, you're going to worry. He's not first when, when you hit troubled times. If God's not first, you will panic and freak out. God's not first in your vocation, you're going to worry. Scripture says, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. It's a kind of a clarifying question here. But is God first in your life? Is God first in absolutely everything? You know, just walk down through it. When it comes to your relationship with God, are you hot? You cold? Are you lukewarm? There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. In fact, it is so important. It's eternally important. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a Ignite series, and we're just going to kind of walk through this, take this in more detail. But great relationships do not happen by accident. I would challenge you this week to just have a conversation with God. To, to pray about it, to thank God for inviting you into a closer relationship with Him. And then decide what you need to change. Start setting some goals in this area. If you're going to elevate spiritually, most important thing you'll ever do, you need a game plan. You need a game plan. Where there's no vision... For your relationship with God, people go lukewarm and they perish. Go crazy today, all right? It's okay. Cheer for your team. Wear your colors. Scream, shout, cheer. Eat so many hot wings, you explode. And that's cool. But I hope we get more excited about what really matters. And we celebrate God. And we celebrate transformed lives through Jesus Christ. God has a plan. And God wants a relationship with you. But where there's no vision, people perish. They do. Let's stand and uh, worship together. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. You have reached out. You long for us to draw near. God, I praise you for your patience. I thank you for your grace and your mercy those times that I've got sidetracked. And all I had to do was take one step towards you and you're taking a step toward me. God, I know there are others here today that would say the same. God, I pray that we would make you the center. We'd run after you with all the passion in us.
God, help us to end up somewhere on purpose. We give you the glory, the praise, the stand every day. God's people said,